0: my name is Alia and my name is Asta and welcome to our podcast Care for Cancer where each month we discuss the different types of cancer, cancer prevention, cancer myths and facts, interview oncologists and those who have been diagnosed with cancer to get their perspective on it and much more. On today's episode, we are joined by a very special guest. In addition to having battled breast cancer herself, she has witnessed it from the perspective of a daughter. Through her Instagram, blog, and podcast, she spreads awareness about breast cancer, guides others who have been diagnosed with cancer, and spreads positivity and awareness. Be sure to check out check out her blog, www.djbreastcancer.org, her Instagram at DJ Breast Cancer, and her podcast called DJ Breast Cancer. Without further ado, Miss Tina Conrad. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you for having me. I, I love what you ladies are doing. I
0: think it's amazing. Thank you so much. We're so passionate about advocating and spreading awareness. And so we're really happy to be doing this and especially to be interviewing such amazing people like yourself. Oh, thank you. So starting from the beginning, when did you find out about your mother's diagnosis?
1: So yeah, I was, I was fairly young. I was, um, I think around 25 when she was diagnosed and it was just weeks after 9-11. So it was really kind of a you know, crazy, interesting time in my life. Cause 9-11 had happened. I was working in a corporate. Um, I really felt like my whole outside world had changed as I watched, you know, just everything unfold. And then weeks later, my mom, you know, called me to tell me that she had breast cancer and that was, you know, just weeks after 9-11. So then I felt like my inside world had changed too. So it was, it was really a difficult time. Um, And, you know, we just kind of grew together as a family and went through it. And it was really important for me to try to be strong and try to be, you know, like this cheerleader for my mom. So, you know, I tried to, you know, give her flowers, be to, you know, appointments. I lived um, about two, two and a half hour drive away from her at the time. So, you know, I couldn't go to everything, but I tried to be there for her and, you know, let her know my love and support.
0: Yeah, that's so important. Were you um, in New York at the time of nine eleven. No, I was in um, Detroit suburbs, but, you know, I worked with people who,
1: you know, were in Manhattan, and it just, I think just seeing people going to work and then not coming home, it just, you know, really had an impact on me just personally. Um, my brother was actually living with me at the time. Um, he was a student teacher, and so he was doing his student teaching, so it really kind of bonded us together, and then the news of my mom brought us even closer together. So we kind of, as adults, you know, had to process this information, but I was very grateful to have him, you know, so close to me.
0: Yes, it's amazing how even though like her diagnosis affected you so much, you stayed so strong for her to help her when she was going through such a hard time. So how did your mother's diagnosis affect you? It was really hard. Um,
1: I do feel like it impacted my faith. It it brought me closer to God. she did later go on to have a recurrence, um, I think it was three years later in the same breast. And, you know, that time really impacted me kind of the other way, very angry. I just, you know, I thought the chapter was over. I thought the story was, you know, complete. And then it happened again. Um, thankfully, you know, that was in 2003. You know, we're now, you know, 17, 18 years later and and she, you know, is is living great and doing, you know, amazing. But You know, it it was definitely a roller coaster um, and made me just, you know, more aware of breast cancer, more aware of breast cancer in young people, because my mom was 46 at the time she was diagnosed. Um, So just kind of made me more of an advocate and more aware, um, you know, doing self breast exams. I myself got mammograms starting at the age of 30, Um, so just made me more, you know, open and, you know, wanting to teach people that this can happen. Um, there was not a diet, you know, there was not a history of breast cancer in my family up until when my mom had it. So just, you know, making sure other people knew that, you know, we are our own best advocates and any changes in our breasts, you know, we have to alert our doctors and make them aware.
0: Yes, that is so important. And I love the phrase that you use that we are our biggest advocates, because that is absolutely correct. Yes, definitely. And so how did experiencing your mother's diagnosis from the point of view of a daughter affect you when you were diagnosed with breast cancer?
1: In a lot of ways, it helped um, because I obviously kind of had a roadmap. I knew kind of what my mom had gone through. My mom adopted, you know, not to do a, a mastectomy the first time, but then when she had a recurrence, you know she did do a mastectomy. So for me, it kind of made some things simpler. Um, Like I knew I just wanted to do bilateral mastectomy and, and just, just do it. Cause in, in her case, you know, she saw it come back. And so it was really important for me to, to do that. And I found a surgeon who was more than willing to support me. Um, In some ways it kind of makes you more fearful too, because you have this knowledge of, you know, seeing things Um, you know, I, I, I had noticed a change in my breast. So I noticed um, like the center had started pulling in. And in the case of my mom, it had always been a lump. And so I was just like, you know, this is weird, but, you know, my mom is always a lump. So it's been important to me too now to teach people that, you know, any changes to your breast for longer than 30 days are a reason to have a conversation with your doctor. Um, you know, breast cancer doesn't look the same for everybody. There's, you know, quite a few different signs and symptoms that doesn't necessarily mean you have breast cancer, but you should definitely have a conversation. Um, so in my case, you know, the center had pulled in. And, you know, when I had a mammogram, then they called me back for another mammogram um, a couple weeks later. And then when they were doing the ultrasound and they were spending so much time like under my armpit, you know, I just knew from my mom that that's where your lymph nodes are. You know, and, and an average person might not know that, but I was, you know, just sitting there. Nobody's talking to me, telling me what they're doing. And I just was like crying because... I knew that that is not a good sign. So it kind of was good in that it prepared me, um, but it also was kind of bad because it prepared me too. So um, it just made me more aware all around. But you know, I was very much an advocate of you know, getting things done, getting screenings done, um, talking to doctors, you know, all of that experience with my mom um, made me not want to hide behind, you know, things or be fearful of things, but more so get in front of things and have conversations with doctors. So, um, you know, she definitely taught me that, um, and my mom really taught me like the grit and the grace that comes with cancer. And that kind of means, you know, buckling in and, you know, powering through things that are really tough, but then, you know, through it, just kind of this beauty and, also kind of sharing your story and being vulnerable and letting people in because you never know whose lives, you know, you can touch and impact from sharing your story. So all of that was just, you know, a lot of lessons from my mom, you know, from the real tactical things to the real spiritual and emotional things as well.
0: Yeah, I can totally understand that. And what you mentioned about how you're How sharing your story can impact others. You definitely do impact others by sharing your story and by advocating for breast cancer. One (laughs) hundred percent. So, what is the moment during your diagnosis that affected you the most?
1: I mean, there's many. Um, There were a couple couple weeks leading up to my diagnosis, um, like the ultimate diagnosis. um, I was in a car and traveling somewhere, and I just saw the most beautiful rainbow. And it's hard to like put into words, but I just knew that everything was going to be okay. And, and, and okay meant a lot of different things. It kind of meant I didn't know what to expect, but just, I could have faith and, and just, you know, and so that was kind of a freeing moment that kind of set the tone, I would say, almost for my entire journey. Um, And then another one was, you know, my, my mom took my diagnosis very hard So she felt that she was actually, you know, at blame. Um, She felt guilty for it. And she was kind of quiet at the beginning. And I didn't really know she was living at this time. I had moved to Chicago area and we were about seven and a half hour car drive apart. So, you know, quite a ways, but my aunt had confided in me that my mom was taking it very hard. And so, you know, we ended up having a phone conversation and I, I kind of basically confronted her and I said, you know, I, are you feeling guilty like do you blame yourself you know and I was just trying to understand and she started you know breaking down and crying and she told me she did and I said listen like I I don't blame you like not one single you know not one single cell of me blames you and I said I don't blame God either and I said we just have to get through this together I said we have to use all of our energy to be positive and to like focus on you know healing and and just getting through this and so it was a very free moment and i really found like the power that you can have by you know talking to people and sharing things and and kind of taking that vulnerability and like moving through it together and so from that point forward you know my mom it kind of freed her of that you know pain that she was feeling And she was nothing but, you know, just my biggest advocate, my biggest cheerleader. So it was kind of like the roles had reversed. And, you know, when I needed someone to just cry, she would just listen to me. Um, But she was just so, so amazing in in my whole journey. She came and spent um, like over a week with me when I'd. Me and we watched, you know, say yes to the dress and just we went for walks in the neighborhood. But we were just kind of like mother daughter and, you know, living different, you know, on a different journey, but we were still kind of ourselves. And so it was really just this kind of, you know, beautiful moment amongst such a storm, if that makes sense.
0: Thank you for sharing such a touching story. I can, you know, I'm sure that was what gave you so much comfort, as you said. Yeah. And going through like something so hard, like cancer, I think it's very important to have some support in your life, which is what your mom gave you. And that's amazing.
1: Yeah, and I had an amazing support team. I mean, my husband was awesome. He, you know, told me each and every day how beautiful I was. And and that's really important when you kind of don't feel like yourself, you look in the mirror, you don't really see yourself. Um, and then just, you know, the nurses that were like angels to me, um, you know, friends, co-workers, I mean, there were so many people that, you know, just come out of nowhere and truly support and help you. And, and, and that's what I try to do with an online community with DJ Breast Cancer is to try to be that, you know, sense of cheerleading, hope, um, you know, love and just giving people, you know, the strength and the positivity that they need to to navigate through these difficult times.
0: Yeah, I think that's very important to have that support system. And um, as Ollie and I have said, I think that you definitely do that because you've created such um, a mentorship feeling when someone listens to your podcast.
1: Oh, I love that. So that's a great
0: compliment. <laughs> um, so when did you receive your diagnosis?
1: So it was in 2013 and I was 37. And I think always in the back of my mind, you know, I, I felt cancer was possible, Um, just having my mom experienced it. I just never thought I would be in my 30s. Um, You know, I had recently been married. I was recently promoted at work to like my dream job or what I thought was my dream job. Um, But it really um, was just kind of eye-opening. And and I just felt like I was so young. And and that was kind of part of it too, uh, just kind of accepting that I had cancer in my 30s.
0: How did you get diagnosed? Like, did you find it... um while examining yourself? Or did you have a mammogram? And that is what led you to find it.
1: So I did notice that change in my breasts, um, where like the nipple had kind of sunken in. Um, so then I made a, a call to my doctor because it didn't go away for, you know, I, I think it was over a month and I made a call to my OBGYN. So she got me in and, you know, she said, let's get you another mammogram because I'd had one when I was 30 as a baseline and then 33, I think again. So we got in for a mammogram. Um, then they called me back for another mammogram. And that's where I just had this sinking feeling that, you know, something's not right, that they see something. Um, Cause every time of other before i had had, you know, normal mammograms. And then, then they did the biopsy um, uh, ultrasound and then the biopsy. And with the biopsy, I basically was paired with this breast surgeon. I could do, I could choose to do a needle one, but because my mom's history, I, you know, made an appointment with a breast surgeon. She did the biopsy, which ultimately they took a lot out. It was more than just they tested a little area. Um, and when I awoke from anesthesia, you know, she, she's such a kind and amazing doctor, like such a rock star. But she did tell me, you know, kind of these, these words that, you know, really made it clear that things didn't look good. But she told me, you know, you need to get your mom's records. Um, So that's basically what I remember waking up to. So I kind of had that was on like a Thursday. And I kind of had I took Friday off from work just to kind of mentally process. And then ultimately, on that following Monday, I received a call at work that yes, indeed, it was cancer. But I did kind of have that weekend to kind of prepare. I had called, you know, like my closest friends and family. Because um, either way, either if it came back negative or positive, you know, I, I knew I wanted them to know that like this was scary and I was going through this. So it was a time to kind of process and like mentally um, get me thinking about it, even though nobody can ever mentally prepare for the words, you have cancer. It's it's very difficult.
0: Yes, definitely. So what were some obstacles that you faced through your treatment?
1: Um. I would say probably working. (laughs) So for me, I was working a very high-powered job. Um, I was a divisional merchandise manager. I had like a huge team of people and, you know, I led a pretty stressful life. Um, You know, I really prioritized work over myself and I made a decision in this time to when, when chemo started basically, That I needed to focus more on myself. And that wasn't being selfish. That was actually, you know, being, um, you know, more of self preservation. And so I made the decision to take a leave of absence from my work and to focus on myself. And I did yoga every day. Um, I went to treatments. I, you know, tried to do something that gave me joy each and every single day, which sometimes meant making pizza from scratch. Um, It maybe was a craft project. You know, it didn't really matter what it was. I just tried to find, you know, a, a moment of joy in each and every day. And and honestly, I would say like that's been the best training for me in these COVID times. Um, is just trying to find that joy and appreciating, um, you know, just the small little wins of each and every day. So that was one of the obstacles. But I do felt I do feel that you know I I am so blessed that I chose that path. And I do encourage people, if you have that option, you know, obviously financially, um, if you can, and you know that you're like a hard worker or type A, it might be best for you to take some time and to really focus on yourself.
0: Thank you for sharing that, Miss Tina. I think that's so important that you try to find like those moments in your moments days of joy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yes, 100%. And I do that today, too.
1: You know, and I start every day with a gratitude journal. Um, I write what I'm grateful for. And that really helps to see that you know, even in these crazy times, there is something to be happy for, something to be grateful for. And it kind of starts each day with a clean slate and, and opens your heart to you know, the, the joys of, of the day that are to come.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, how you start your day is how it's reflected throughout your day. And so I think that you start it with gratitude. That means that you're continuing with gratitude, which I think is very important. Yes, I agree. So along with your diagnosis, what were some side effects that you faced?
1: Oh, there was a lot with with chemo was really hard on me. Um, they've changed the protocols like quite a bit from, you know, 2013 to now, which is a great benefit. Um, but I was very sick, um, with the first time with chemo, like extremely nauseous for 72 hours, which, you know, any smell, any, anything, um, it just really could trigger me, um, into feeling sick. And so it it was really difficult, but then I got on a, a treatment, um, called amend that I would take, um, you know, leading up to it. And that that made me just really tired um, and lethargic, but it didn't like make me so nauseous, which was you know such a uh, an amazing um, thing. And now they actually prescribe that I think for almost everybody going through chemo that can tolerate you know the amend. So that was a great um, improvement. But um, it was it was really crazy. I remember you know even days after chemo, going back to work, and I was in an open air you know parking garage, and I could smell someone smoking. From, I mean like a football field away and I had to like run into work because the smell was like so upsetting to me So it was just really interesting what it does, you know To all your body like your brain and your your sense of smell and it, it just really can um, Do a lot of things. I, I now I feel like I handled things quite well um, I tried to stay moving um, and stay active um, you know, I walked when I could walk and I you know, did yoga each and every day. Um, and it was a gentle yoga DVD that I just popped into my um, DVD player and watched. Um, and, and that really tried to help me. Um, and then just kind of some food issues with obviously with the chemo too, like some things would taste good, some things would not taste good. Um, I try to stay hydrated, but there was like one form of water at the chemo clinic, Ice Mountain, that to this day, I still cannot drink. Um, and then there were like, I don't know, I'd eat whatever I'd eat going into chemo. I would like hate, um, coming out of chemo. Mm -hmm. So I tried to be really strategic about what I ate, but one time I ate, um, a sub and it had guacamole on it. And then I could not eat avocados and guacamole for like a year after, but I know my favorite thing, but, um, thankfully now, like, obviously I can eat them again, but, um, it was just crazy what it would kind of do to you from like a food perspective and and sense of smell. So that was like the biggest things I remember. And then with radiation, there was like this, you know, intense burning kind of feeling that happened even after they were done with the treatments, probably the next three days were probably the worst. It just felt like a million pencil pricks like happening all at once. Um, And so that was kind of hard, like to, to deal with the pain, but, you know really help in that regard just kind of keeping about my day helped me not to focus on it so much um so that was kind of how i tried to get through it but and and then i when i was really down and out i would write um i i really took up journaling and it's kind of what led me to like my blog and to different things but um it really became an outlet for me for the hard times, Um, you know, seeing myself after my mastectomy for the first time when all the bandages were done, I wrote a poem. um, And, and then I shared it with, you know, social media and I I had no idea how it would be taken, but I really have found like being vulnerable and being open and sharing um, is, is really a beautiful gift that you can give to someone else. And so I've, I've really encouraged other people to write, even if you don't share, even if you burn the letter or burn the poem, you know, it, it helps to release it, you know, from you. And, and I find it such a, such a strong thing, you know, to do personally.
0: Yes. You have built such a community through your words. And so anyone listening, we highly, highly recommend checking out Miss Tina's blog and podcast. All of those links will be down below. Thank you. Um. So during your treatment, did you f- have hair loss, and if so, how did that impact you? Because we talked to um, another breast cancer survivor, and they talked about how hair loss didn't impact them as much um, as much as like seeing their breast and the change that that went through. So, I want to know how did that impact you?
1: It was really hard. Um, and actually, I, I had a whole podcast episode about you know hair loss, um, more from an identity perspective. Um, it was really hard, you know, I'd walk by in my house, you know, this photo of me and my husband that had just been taken 6 months prior and you know, here's this beautiful blonde hair, you know, that I loved and it just was me, you know, and then I walk by this photo now and then I I look at myself in the mirror and I just see this person that I don't recognize. And I think that was maybe the hardest part it was more like the identity portion of it, rather it's it's not so much the vanity of the hair as much as it's like, that's who you are and who you think that you are in your, inside your head. Um, but actually, um, I, I went to the, I ended up going to a sports clip of all places, but I, I was about to lose my hair. I knew, I knew it was coming. And so I went to a sports clip with my husband. Um, they ended up, you know, shaving my head, like buzzing it basically down to, to very, very little. And, it was really freeing and there was something about me making the decision to lose my hair in that chair rather than see it come out in the sink um that felt kind of like i had the control like i held the cards um and and cancer did not so for me i didn't mind like that haircut actually was amazing i can share pictures with you too but I felt strong in it. You know, I could put on a a bold lipstick color, um, some earrings. And even at that time I was still working. Um, I worked through some of my chemo treatments and then later made the decision to, to take a leave, but I would go into work with that shaved head and just rock it. Like I owned it, you know, and, and it really became me. And, um, I didn't mind it as much. Um, I did have some wigs, but I just didn't love them as much as that but eventually i even my you know shaved kind of head became real patchy and i kind of you know had to turn to some wigs it was just easier at times like when you're in a grocery store when you're you know doing something sometimes it's just easier to wear a wig and like ignore i don't know you don't want to always have to like tell people or communicate to people that you're going through cancer that's kind of hard too so sometimes it's just easier to throw on a wig and like you know, go on your life and, and kind of get in and get out. So that was kind of my experience, but, um, you know, it's difficult. And I think it was for me, the more like, who is this new person that's staring back at me? That was the most difficult aspect of it.
0: Yeah, we can totally understand that. And it's really amazing how you had such a positive mindset throughout your, um, cancer diagnosis and even with your hair loss, how you decided to get in control and have a positive mindset about it. That's truly amazing. We love your podcast called DJ Breast Cancer. So um, why did you start that podcast?
1: Yeah. So I felt like I had a unique perspective, like being a survivor and then being the daughter of a two-time breast cancer survivor, you know, I had spent basically 20 years of my life, you know, surrounded by breast cancer in some form or fashion. So I felt like I had a unique perspective that I could share, you know, some wisdom. And I always felt like I had my mom and my mom had me, but what about all these other people that are getting it for the first time in their families and they don't know where to turn to? Um, So I wanted to kind of, you know, instill some Tina tips and I do one for every episode and even ask every guest now, Um, for a Tina tip. So I try to impart some wisdom, you know, some, some love for the journey and they can be practical things such as, you know, I did this during chemo and this helped me um, to the more emotional side. But I felt like I had this unique perspective that I wanted to share and it was an idea. It was in my head. And then um, I had a really good friend who was part of my support group um, from Chicago. I had now moved um, to Fort Wayne for work and she had a recurrence and then she ended up losing, you know, she, she, she passed away. And this idea then became ever so important that I do it. I don't know, somehow seeing my friend, you know, just, um, you know, die of breast cancer made me feel like no day is guaranteed and that I need to, you know, do this and, and share it with the world. And so, Um, she is part of, you know, every one of my podcasts. Um, she's part of my logo, um, in the center of the microphone. So she's kind of my North star that, you know, guides me and, you know, is really just like this inspiration. And I want her to, you know, be a real person. And I even interviewed her daughter for one of my episodes, um, because I wanted the listeners to understand who this amazing person was, um, you know, that's no longer with us. And, I want others to understand too why breast cancer research is so important to me because you know, I, I don't want to lose more friends, you know, so that was kind of why I started it was, you know, sharing this unique perspective, but then also to honoring a friend that was so near and dear to me.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And I love Tina tip. So what's a tip (laughs) that you would put um, in for our listeners today?
1: Oh, I love it. It's really share your story. Um, That's kind of where I'm at right now is you never know the impact that you're going to have on someone else. Um, You know, so if you see someone that's, you know, maybe, you know, doesn't have hair or is wearing pink, you know, in my case, you know, I carry around little business cards and I say like, Hey, I have a podcast, you know, it's about hope and inspiration. And, you know, I don't know what you're going through, but I would love for you to, you know, take a listen to it. And and you never know like what kind of impact you'll have. Um, I, I tell people at breast cancer walks, you know, about my story. I I just try to reach out and connect and you just never know. You never know the impact that you'll have. And maybe that person's not open to it, but maybe they'll tell someone else and and it can make a difference in, in their world and in their life. And, you know, I also too... In sharing your story, I'm open to other people's stories because I've seen through my podcast that the load becomes so much lighter when people share and they, you know, let go of that a little bit. And so there is a power in sharing your story too. And I, I want people to always kind of know that as well.
0: Thank you for sharing that tip. <laughs> Anytime. Yes, that was a great tip. And we know that your podcast definitely helps so many people out there as well. So, um, we love the name DJ breast cancer. So how did you come up with it?
1: (laughs) You would be, maybe you'd be surprised, maybe you're not, but that is a question I get asked a lot, but, um, I had some ideas and my husband was like, oh no, no, like those don't, those don't sound good or whatever. And I was like, okay, smarty pants, you know, like what's your name? So, um, we were, we were at a bar. It was my husband, um, a good friend of mine and, um, myself and he's like, well, what about DJ Breast Cancer? And I was like, you know what? I like that. Like, it's it's to the point. It's, it tells people what I'm doing. I'm talking about breast cancer. I'm going on the airwaves and, and sharing stories. And I like it. And so it just really, really stuck. Um, and, you know, I never from one minute past that did I ever think of another name. Like, that's just kind of what it was. So obviously, I had to see if, you know, it was taken on Instagram and it wasn't. But um, that's kind of where my platform started was, you know, kind of in a bar with, with my husband, but there's no place I'd, I'd rather have, you know, come up with that, with that name. So it was fun.
0: That's such a fun story. <laughs> um. So how has your podcast impacted you and your journey through breast cancer?
1: Oh, I mean, in so many ways, I I've met so many amazing people. I mean, not just in the United States, but in the world. Um, you know, I talked to a six time breast, not breast cancer, but six time cancer survivor in the UK and he just is so inspiring and is trying to run like a marathon on every continent. Um, obviously this was until COVID happened, but it's so inspiring. Um, you know, to people who lived in South Africa, um, I, I've talked to people who live in Australia, so it's just really kind of amazing this net that you can throw out, and then just this amazing group of people that you can find. Um, and you know, one day my dream would maybe be to to meet everybody in person. You know, some point in my life or another. But it's really been a fun journey and just really um, a blessing in terms of like just seeing people share their story and how much more confident they become after. And it's just like part of their healing process. And to be on that, you know, healing process with them is, is really a, a gift I feel and a blessing. So I don't take it very lightly. I I really see it for, for all of its beauty and, and what it's provided to me and to other people.
0: Yes, Definitely. So have you ever had an experience or a story that you can share with us that made you feel like, yes, this is exactly why I started my blog and podcast?
1: Yeah, like, well, there's there's a few, but um, one that really comes to mind, um, I have a dear friend, Jen, she lives in New York City. Um, she wrote to me, I don't know, I, I had started my podcast in, I don't know, October, November, and then it really kind of started you know being live on like january but she wrote out to me just a couple months after I had been live and you know she had a high powered career was really trying to, you know, manage through cancer and, you know, treatments and work and all this stuff. And she just said, like, basically I've listened to other podcasts and yours just really speaks to me. Your story really speaks to me. And we just started an email conversation. And she, and she even said, she's like, normally I don't reach out to people, but I just feel compelled, you know, to, to reach out to you. And so we just really had this like friendship that started, you know, from, from this. And I you know, before COVID would travel to New York about four times a year. So we met in person and um, we would usually go to like a juice bar and meet each other. And like before my day would start, before her day would start, we would have, you know, juice together and just kind of chat. And it it's just really blossomed into a beautiful friendship. And now actually we're, we're working on a project together, which is, more so telling this like life after cancer story, because we feel that there's a lot of resources and stories out there about, about the journey, about the treatments, about all of that. But there's not a lot that's being shared about still like the mental aspects of how do you go back to being this person when you're not really that person anymore? Um, So we're working on a project, you know, that's more focused on life after cancer from two different perspectives um, I'm seven years out from uh, my diet, you know my treatment and diagnosis, and she's um about like one and a half. So we kind of bring two different perspectives, too, just from a timeline perspective. So we're excited and we're working on you know a project that you know we want to share with people. and it's just kind of in its infancy stages. But just amazing that an email from a podcast can lead to a friendship and you know possibly a book. So, we're just excited and, you know,
0: want to share more with the world as well. That's awesome. We can't wait to hear more about this project when it comes out. <laughs> Me too. It might be a little while, but yes. That's awesome. What are some things you hope to accomplish in terms of advocacy in the future?
1: You know, I, I'm really concerned right now because we're in this COVID stage that people are kind of, you know, passing on their screenings. They feel maybe they don't feel safe. Um, you know, so I really do want to encourage others that you need to like, you know, stay on top of your own, you know, your own treatments and your own screenings and don't let those things be delayed. I believe there's a statistic. I, I want to say it's like 60, 65% less cancers were um, diagnosed in the year 2020. Well, we all know that there's not that much less cancer truly out there. It's just people getting less screenings. So Right now, I'm really, you know, focused on on making people aware, like, we still have to do mammograms. We still have to do screenings. Like, you know, these are so important, um, you know, for for our own health and for hopefully finding cancer in an earlier stage, you know, if it is indeed cancer. So just really trying to focus on that. Um, You know, the whole, everything that happened in year 2020 um, and just really highlighted the racial disparities, you know, within our healthcare system. So I, you know, taken time and talked with um, different guests about that. I try to spotlight, um, you know, women of color on my podcast um, and making sure that their voices are heard too. Um, So that's really important to me. And then um, from a metastatic community, sometimes the early stagers and metastatic are almost like in a different world. And I had a really great friend um, who wanted to build a bridge, and unfortunately, she she um, you know died from breast cancer from stage four. And you know, in her honor, I I tried to do my best to really shine a light on that metastatic um, you know fighter as well, and and make sure people understand what it means to do that and have real conversations about metastatic breast cancer, which as of now there's, there's no cure. And so making people aware of it, because often there's this kind of belief that breast cancer is the best kind of cancer to get. Well, maybe it's okay, you know, in terms of some, you know, but there's really no good kind of cancer. And so it's kind of like dispelling some of these myths and having real conversations and talking about things. Um, that's really part of my advocacy too, is, is shining a light in, in places of darkness that kind of don't see you know the light of day and, and bringing them more to the forefront.
0: Yes, definitely. What you are doing is truly amazing. And yeah, you are absolutely correct. There are a lot of myths out there, um, and so really, Ollie and I try to have like a series on our podcast called Myth and Fact because there are some pretty bizarre um, myths out there. So those were all of our questions for you today. Thank you so much for joining us today, Miss Tina. We are we love the impact. The impactful conversation we had with you today. It was a pleasure chatting with you and getting to hear about your journey with breast cancer, your different perspective, how you spread cancer awareness, and about your podcast, DJ Breast Cancer. You are truly a mentor for those who have been diagnosed with cancer and an inspiration for those who want to learn more about breast cancer and spread awareness. Make sure to check out Miss Tina's social media platforms, her blog, and her awesome podcast. All of the ways to connect with her will be in the episode notes. Thank you all for listening to this episode. If you like our show and want to learn more, check out our website in the episode notes, follow our Instagram at careforcancer underscore, and please leave a review on all platforms. Subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss upcoming episodes, and as always, show you care by being aware, and care care for for cancer. cancer. Bye, Bye, everyone. everyone.